Let us pray. Gracious, loving God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks we could actually do a show tonight. We give you thanks for the gift of your word. We give you thanks for this opportunity we have to share it with others. God guide us. We may be faithful in the task before us. Amen. Amen. Good evening, friends, and welcome to Scripture Talk. Um, norm- okay, for those of you watching after the fact or listening to the audio version, none of this makes any sense to you. It's like, well, the show's there. Yeah, the show's there. Um <laughs> When the first time we tried to do the show, um, uh, it didn't. <laughs> that just wasn't. It just the internet was. Uh, you know, it's. It, it looks like rain here in Palestine. Therefore, Zito Media has decided. Ah, you know, you don't need the internet when it rains. It's not like it rains often in East Texas. So we, uh, yeah, and then I reset all of the things, and eventually we got something that looks more like a, a hose rather than a pipette, like a little pipette, it's just a little, squeak, little squeak of internet. <laughs> uh, we have like a, you know, a normal-sized garden hose of internet now, which, you know, we pay for a lot more than that. Um, but yeah, yeah, as ever, y'all are here for Trey Rants about the internet, uh, which could be its own podcast. Someday we should do a supercut of all the times I've complained about the internet. Um, it would be long. Anyways, I am Pastor Jay Comstock. With me as ever is... Mr. Brandy Dudley. Pastor Scott Ketchup. Uh, keep, uh, continue to keep Stacy in your prayers. Um, he should be back with us uh, next week. Uh, but anyways, I, you know, look, internet bad, but we are here for something that is not the, we are here on the internet for something that is not the internet. We are here to talk about scripture. Uh, specifically our scripture for this week is the Pentecost scripture. And so you might notice that like, there are a lot of episodes of us talking about Acts 2, uh, 1 through 21. We cover it every year. Turns out, Pentecost, much like Christmas, um, happens every year. But unlike Christmas, there's really only, like, one scripture to talk about here. It is the Pentecost scripture. It is uh, some version of Acts chapter 2. So this year, as ever, it is Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like a rush of violent wind, and it filled the entire house where where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, and at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. And amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it we hear each of them in our own native language, Parthians and Medes, excuse me, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene, and and visitors from Rome, both Jew and proselyte, Cretans and Arabs, in our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, no. <laughs> this is what was spoken through the prophet. I love, you know, I point this out every time. I love Peter's optimism. We couldn't be drunk. It's only 9 a.m. Uh huh. In the last days, it will be. God declares that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh 
and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Now, admittedly, that sermon goes on for a while, and it works really well. Um, but this is like the Cliff Notes version because we're just not going to read. No one wants you to stand up on Pentecost Day, and, and today we're going to read Acts chapter two, Acts chapter two, uh, which is, by the way, <laughs> verses one through forty-seven. Um, so this cuts it off, and Peter, you know, keeps going. And, and anyways, um, end of the story. This sermon tremendously effective. Many people saved. Um, but the focus of Pentecost is in some ways shouldn't be on Peter's sermon because that's not where the camera rests first. The camera doesn't just rest on something that happens to Peter. The camera rests on something that happens to everyone. Everyone in that room, about a hundred of them, all staring at each other, um, received the Holy Spirit. And then everyone on the street, regardless of where they're from, hears the words that they are speaking. Now, the mechanics of that have been debated endlessly in Christian circles, and I find it not a particularly productive conversation. It does not seem to be the thing that Luke cares about. Luke doesn't say, and now I'm going to tell you exactly how this works. Nope, Luke doesn't care. Luke's point is um, everyone starts speaking, everyone receives the Spirit in a way and goes out in ministry, and then everyone, regardless of where they're from, and these are kind of nations laid out of the whole known world, essentially, all these people from all the known world are able to hear and understand. So that is everyone is a speaker of the gospel, and everyone, by the power of the Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit, everyone is a speaker of the gospel, and really importantly, Everyone is a potential hearer of the gospel. That is to say that if you think of like, you know, Judaism belongs to the Jews, the Roman religion belongs to the Romans. No, Christianity is different. The gospel belongs to everyone. Everyone um, is a potential member of God's family in this construct. And so, it, again, it is a mission for everyone to everyone because the gospel is, is at home in everyone's language. You know, I... I think one of the uh, awesome things about, and there's a lot of awesome things in this. This is the birth of the church as we think of it. But the way the Holy Spirit came upon them, um, you know, in the Old Testament with, with, with the Old Covenant, you know, the Holy Spirit kind of moved on Israel as a nation or an individual here or there as a prophet and stuff. You see the apostles and people that weren't disciples all gathered in this room. And it says the tongue of fire was over, not the room, right. But each individual, right. Highlighting the fact that this is something new. This is something that is the spirit, not just being applied to a particular person or to a particular nation, but to each individual is being given the Holy spirit. And that's just awesome because that means, since it wasn't just for the apostles and all, that's why we realize, one of many reasons we realize, that we all, as Christians, have access to that same Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was able to have the full effect of all the people, because they were all in one accord. Mm -hmm. They were all together, like-minded, so the Holy Spirit had full access to their mind, their heart, and their spirit, and engulfed them with such power 
to do extraordinary things. So, well, yeah. Last week when we were talking about the ascension, and we 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 highlighted some of the foreshadowing. They were instructed by Jesus to go and wait. And so we talked about the awkwardness of yeah. what that was, of them sitting in a room just going, okay, what now? But they were. They were Has waiting. the Holy Spirit reached you yet? Has something happening? <laughs> Is something happening? <laughs> Is something right. happening? Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, yeah. It's really awkward. And, and so they're sitting there in this time of prayer, maybe fasting. And you kind of get, we don't know for sure, but it, it wouldn't be out of characteristic. Mm-hmm. But um, they're they're actively waiting. They're not just not doing anything. They're this all together, like you said, one place, one accord, one mind, praying and just waiting for something to happen. And when we get together with that expectancy, God shows up. And he showed up and showed out on the day of Pentecost and still looks for those opportunities to do that with us now to fill us. Because the greatest thing about it, every believer has some of the Holy Spirit. But that's not all that there is. And no matter how much you get through your study and learning and pressing in, there's always more Uh of him. Well, I think this is where like a a lot of this series that we've been in is grounded in looking at Acts as an arc. Right. And we go back to, you know, the past two weeks, last week we did the Ascension, this week we do Pentecost, we look at how Acts opens and what kind of, what is the point, what is the setup for all these things that's happened? And, you know, we've seen Peter do stuff and we've seen John do stuff and we've seen Philip do stuff and and, and we've seen the Holy Spirit descend on Gentiles in this kind of really um, important moment um, with Cornelius and his crew. And so each time we see, like, what was... We, we see this like it, Acts 1 and 2 are this transition point of through the gospel of Luke, Jesus is the primary actor, right? Mm-hmm. It is a gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a Greek biography. It is Luke doing a really thorough Greek biography of Jesus. The Acts of the Apostles is that same level of treatment um, given to the early church, mm-hmm. some of which we at some point in the later chapters, we break into stuff that Luke himself has seen. Um, but here, this is not Luke isn't here yet. Um, this is stuff Lucas learned about, but you see, like, um, moving from a, a all of God's power on earth is concentrated in one guy. One guy does the healing. One guy does the talking. One guy does the raising from the dead. Mm-hmm. And now here, you know, here in Acts chapter two, um, immediately now someone else is talking. Right now, someone else and we've seen acts of healing. Right. And we've seen, you know, various other kind of miracles happening. And we see the Holy Spirit going out that what the ascension of Jesus and the descent of the Holy Spirit is that like that hinge of history that takes us from the age that we don't live in. Right. We don't live in the age where Jesus physically walks the earth to the age of the Holy Spirit being present, which is very much the age we do live in. And this is where, like, the challenge of the series, the, the challenge that sits at the heart of this series to get out there is is kind of, to Brandy's point, like, everyone received the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And then, at some point, we stop thinking like that. Mm-hmm. And we start to think in terms of, you know, well, I this person's an evangelist, or this person's the pastor. And they're leaders, certainly. I mean, in the previous chapter, we have to, like, we have to replace Judas at some point. Um, right? <laughs> He's the problem. Um, it's Peter and the Eleven, because they've got a replacement for Judas, because uh, uh, he's uh, turned out to be a problem. Um, but 
everyone had the spirit and then everyone was able to go out in ministry. And at some point, I feel like, and, and we've talked about this a ton, but like it is most clearly here at Pentecost. At some point, we got away from that, that everyone was doing ministry. And we took the role of pastor as leader or the role of evangelist as someone to particularly push and challenge us in that way. And instead we turned it into there. Oh, they're the people that'll figure that out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to do my thing. We, 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 at some point in the 21st century, certainly in 20th and 21st century, we end up in this like consumer culture of yeah. like, I'm going to go to church and I'm going to feel things. That's good. Like I, I want you to come to church and feel things. And that's really what this is about. Mm-hmm. This is about me coming to church and me feeling things. Um, and certainly the people there in that room gathered together in one place. This is a church meeting, right? And that's, we are brought together by the spirit in that same miraculous way in one place. Um, but they are gathered together in that place at the expectation, not just that they were going to feel things, um, but, but that they were going to receive the power to go and do things. Right. What they were worried about wasn't like, how good is your children's area? And that like matters in that, like, I want us to have a good children's area, but like, not the primary point, right? Um, they were not thinking like, you know, man, am I going to show up and, 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 and feel good in my heart and then uh, go home um, and go to work? They were thinking like, I've been given this this terrific mission from God and how on earth am I going to do that, right? They didn't look at Jesus and go, I don't want to. It was like, I don't know how. And so they show up expectant that they're going to figure out how. And and guess what? They do. Mm -hmm. And everyone receives that spirit. Um, And there was no, like, there wasn't this, like, um, and even the later church, right? Like, they're doing ministry and, like, oh, you guys are doing so much evangelism. They're not caring for the widows. Okay, then let's care for the widows. And, um, oh, my job is I'm going to reach the Gentiles and your job is you're going to reach this. And, like, you see a thing growing. Mm -hmm. But the expectation was everyone had a role and isn't that miraculous from God that we all have the power to have role. It wouldn't have occurred, certainly not occurred to the hundred people there in that room, the earliest church, um, that church was about showing up to, to, to feel, to feel things. Um, and that's the end of it, right? You are, you should show up expecting to feel things at church. And honestly, if you're not in some ways, that's also on you because the Holy Spirit is present. Um, but we often miss that next step of like, and therefore take that power that we have received and go and use it in the world. Um, no, that's scary. Or I, I just don't, I'm not sure I have time for that. Um, or, you know, it's really the pastor's job um, <laughs> to reach people. I'm, I'm one of the people that needs to be reached. You know, uh, they're actually, like you were saying, there came a point where the disciples, when they were mentioning the things being missed and the widows and all that, they were realizing as much as they wanted to try to do everything that they could, they couldn't reach everyone. It's just practically not possible. That's what led to the to some of those others, the deacons and the people being appointed to do you know, different jobs because there was, hey, we need the body to be operating all of us because that's the only way that we'll meet the need and the mission that was given. And you know, I think it's kind of interesting how it's set up there the beginning of Acts, you know, going into Judea, Samaria, and the other ends of the world, because it almost sets up a small outline for how Acts breaks out. Right. As yes, he, actually, <laughs> absolutely what happens. You, uh-huh. you, you had the uh, wait, and you'll receive the power. Here's the mission. You've been commissioned, and uh, the power is coming. We just read about the power coming. It kind of reminds me when Elisha knows that he's about to take over for Elijah, mm-hmm. 
and all, and and he's you know I, I I want a double portion, and so Elisha Elijah is like, well, I don't know, that's not up to me. Highly paraphrased, and, and of course he goes up and drops the mantle. Well, Elisha picks it up, but he's wondering, is this real? Yeah. And so the first thing he does is essentially going, are you really with me or not, God? Where's the God of Elijah? Mm-hmm. And boom, God showed him that he was with him. And so that's what I think happens here too in a different way. There's the tongues of fire for the people that are in there to see that happening, but each individual is seeing the tongues over someone else. Right. But when they go out and they're praising God, they weren't going out preaching in tongues. They were going out singing praise of God and other people. It talks about how everyone was <coughs> reacting to that. And so it's kind of like that moment of when the waters parted for Elisha. Mm-hmm. You say, yeah, we have this experience where we feel something. But then they see a result of that being worked out as well that really showed that we have that anointing that was promised. Yeah, the evidence was there. That's that's what that was. It was um, like BT tablet number two pencil moment. Show me that you're there, and the the, the fire was evident that the Holy Spirit was present. And my thing is, in this day and age, I think we are not only afraid to use the power of the Holy Spirit, but we don't know how to use it. If we were taught how to properly use the power mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit, and I use that word loosely, properly use it. It could make a big difference in the world uh, in bringing disciples to uh, to Christ and everything. But people, I think, misuse the power of the Holy Spirit for selfish gain and so forth. and Or they just don't know how to use it. Yeah. I also think that we, uh, we, we shy away from or miss another aspect of that fire. We tend to think about the fire, the power of the Holy Spirit. But throughout Scripture, fire is also used to represent purity mm-hmm. and a purifying and a cleansing thing. And I think sometimes what gets in the way of us accessing the power is we shy away from allowing the purification process to work in us. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I just I, I I wonder I wonder right what the average person in a pew thinks they're doing there, right? Yeah, that like. I, you know, I, and I, I've never had the guts to, to do this survey. And so I wonder, right, um, what, and I'm not even necessarily talking about our church, just thinking about where Christianity is as a whole. And certainly, mm-hmm. you know, kind of as, you know, American Western Christianity is as a whole. Um, like what, what do people think they're there for? Right? Are they there, you know, for many generations? I, I, I suspect some people were there because it was just the thing you did, right? Every, well, everyone went to church and, you know, it's where I, you know, I see Bob on the golf course on Saturday and I see Bob at the, you know, at First Presbyterian or First Methodist on Sunday. And um, then I see, you know, Bob at the office on Monday, right? And it's just, this is just the thing you did. And so, like this, like, you know, creeps of nominal Christianity seep in and it's just like everyone's a Christian, you know, like, you know, I know atheists that go to church with their, you know, go to church on on Christmas Eve. You know, they don't believe, but just the thing you do is you, you know, mm-hmm. you know, good people go to church on Christmas Eve and, and put up with the service for 45, 50, 60 minutes and then, you know, go home. And it's just it's just part of the routine. You know, it's like, you know, you sing the national anthem at a baseball game and you go to church on Sunday and then or on Christmas and that's just the thing you do. Um, and so what Pentecost is about is 
like, you know, this is not about something nominal. This is not just about, this is not just about showing up. This is why your butt is in that seat. Your butt is in that seat to to encounter the Holy Spirit and be empowered by that Holy Spirit to then go out and do something, Mm -hmm. right? This is, you know, we, we love to like, you know, we not we on this show, we as Christians, we don't fight about James too. We have un- we understand what it means. We talk a lot about it, but like this is where that like faith that works is dead thing. Right. Faith that works is dead doesn't mean like you need to earn a certain amount of credits or you're never gonna go to heaven. Right? Mm-hmm. Heaven is not like graduating from high school, um, or most people would fail. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But it is that like faith should move you. Right. Faith should move you to action, because if you are truly worshiping, if you are truly showing up to church expectant to receive God, you Mm -hmm. will receive God. And then you'll be driven out in the streets and do things you never thought you could do Mm -hmm. um, and reach people you never thought could be reached. Right. Because that's what happens right here. That's the power we carry with us if we show up expectant to receive it. Um, But you can turn your back on it as much as you want. You know, I. uh heard a pastor talking I was I was in the praise team and uh, we were commenting of how man we wish we could come in where the the, the worship ended and right. if we could stop there because you know those that are in praise and worship they kind of understand that there's this the first few songs you, you feel like you're getting everybody warmed up and you're trying to get them all focused in and, all, and the pastor had made the comment to the uh, congregation about you know how they really liked it at the end and he said but you know if you came in here already at that level of expectancy and not having to get worked up, like when you're at the home, you're already preparing on your drive to church, right. you're already preparing and you come in with that expectancy, then we get to start at that level and just imagine where God will take us if that's where we're starting at a new level. Oh. Because he's not going to run out of levels. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there is that like, again, that goes back to that consumer thing, right? That it is... You you go to church. You go to church to be fed. Yes, um, but you like there is like an expectation of being spoon fed, right? Right. Um, that you're going to be spoon fed it. That you're not going to have to like work for it, uh, or you're not going to have to like take part in making it happen, or you're not going to have to contribute to a spiritual atmosphere. Um, no, no, no. It's like you know. Well, I just you know. I just, you know, you want it handed to you and then you want to take it and then you want to leave with it, right? And not do anything with it. Um, And it is, I I just, I feel like, I guess, you know, all of this, this whole series, again, is grounded in that, you know, the terrifying statistic that now the majority of um, uh, American adults uh, aren't a member of a religious organization, right? Um, And by the way, um, I'm not sure how far down we broke down those numbers, um, but it's even worse if you look at um, what are called mainline denominations. So that is your Baptist, your, you know, uh, your certain kind of Baptists, Presbyterians, Methodists, Episcopalians, Lutherans, etc. Um, so everyone else is flat, right? <laughs> uh, Mormons, flat. Um, evangelicals, flat. Catholics, largely flat. Um, you know who's actually doing the declining is uh, mainline churches. Now, no one's gaining, which is bad news, right? Because the way church growth works is is once you've crested that curve and gone flat, your church is already declining. Because mm-hmm. um, it takes a lot more work to fix flat or a decline than it does to just like spike the growth as it's going. The key to church growth is to catch it before the flattening happens and that almost never happens, right? And so that 
statistic should terrify us. It should terrify us to our core. Um, but it shouldn't terrify us that God is dead because God is not dead, right? <laughs> um, and it shouldn't terrify us somehow that the Holy Spirit has become less powerful. Um, it has just become, we have become less compelled by the Spirit mm. in our own spiritual lives. So to me, this shouldn't, it should scare you, but it should scare you in that way that convicts you, right? Not in the way that like leads to hopelessness. If, if you believe it's hopelessness, then once again, you are doubting the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. If you're saying, oh, it's hopeless, the, you know, the, the liberal media are, are really sticking it to us. Okay, cool, great. Um, is God bigger than the liberal media? Right. Mm. Uh, so you you, t- you decide who you think is bigger here, right? Whatever, like, whatever construct. Right, they don't have prayer in schools, okay? Well, they don't work for us. So that we were expecting them, the schools, to do our jobs, really funny. Um, but, like, it's not, should there be prayer in schools? Yeah, I certainly think so. Actually, there's a lot of prayer in schools, just whether it's, like, yeah. public, right? Plenty of people right, pray right. in schools. Uh-huh. But, like, should there be prayer in schools? This is not the issue. Right? The issue is we were expecting them to do our jobs. Our yeah. jobs are evangelism, not theirs. That they did evangelism for us for a while is cool. Um, thanks for the help. But, like, fundamentally, it's not teachers' jobs to make sure that our children know about Jesus. It's our jobs to make sure our children know about Jesus. Right? It's not actually the school's job um, to make sure that our community is moving in a direction that is Christ-like. We should be doing that. We're the church. We're the ones who carry the power of the Holy Spirit. Right. I mean, hey. If he equipped us with the tools, we need to go out there and use them, plain and simple. And I think there's a lot to be said about uh, where they were at. They were in one accord. Yeah. There's a lot of not being in one accord among the uh, church universal that um, you know we need to think about. Uh, and, and just the fact that there is some things that need to be done prior to the waiting. You know, uh, we, we do have this microwave mentality. I want to show up. I want to be in, plug in, get out. Uh, oh, don't go over an hour. Let's get get. Dude, we get got we got here. lunch to get to. Darn it! Yeah. yeah, and and heaven forbid the Cowboys are playing. Oh my God! Not that they've been doing a whole lot, but anyway, um, the 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 point is is that the priority the priority that they had was Jesus said wait. And from what we can tell, they shut everything down and was in that room, and that's what they did. Well, they said, Jesus said, wait. And because what you're waiting on is the power to do this mission that I have given you. Yeah. Right? I have given you this big mission. Um, and you are probably thinking to yourself, how on earth are we going to do that? <laughs> um, right? And so they are waiting expectantly, knowing that the power is going to show up. And I think you're right, Scott. Are we waiting? Right. I know we're shaking our fist at the sky and saying, I don't like the way things are. Um, things don't look right. The churches are the churches. The church universal isn't growing. Well, it is growing. It's just not growing in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Right. It's on fire in other places. Yeah. Um, you know, places like South America, places like Africa, places like certain parts of Asia, even in places where it's illegal in Asia. Um, there's like real inroads being made uh, with Christians in China and stuff. Like, it's really exciting. Um, it's one of the things I loved um, as a missionary. I could go out. And I could be a part of what God is doing in these kind of, you know, places that are not the United States. And I could report back the story of this is what God is doing in this place. Imagine what God can be doing in our place. Yeah. But I don't think we imagine what God can be doing in our place. We just, we kind of were winning for a long time um, and just kind of everyone was a Christian for a long time. And then at some point we started looking around and realizing with increasing horror um, that that's not the case anymore. And then finding anyone to blame that's not ourselves 
right? Anyone to blame. It's Satan. It's the, you know, the liberal media. It's the prayer in schools. It's the Supreme Court. It's the, you know, that liberal president, whatever, right? Like fill in the blank, whatever we want to blame today. Um, and can it, when, when the power, when the power of the Holy Spirit says the wind at our backs, can it really be anybody else's fault? It's our fault. It's our fault because, like I said, it's right there at our grasp. All we got to do is pick it up and use it. Make a difference in this world. I mean, I can imagine in my mind in that upper room, the disciples already knew what Jesus did. They mm-hmm. saw what he did, how powerful he was. They're probably thinking, man, I wonder what that Holy Spirit's going to be like when it shows up. Uh-huh. And they weren't disappointed mm-hmm. to the point to where they were speaking other languages. They didn't learn that in school or anything. They started speaking other languages. Unlearned men and women in the room started doing extraordinary stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's it's our fault if the church is not growing. The power is right there. We just don't want to pick it up. We're scared to use it. We don't like change. Well, and we or we don't want to do anything, right? Like we yeah. we, we, we we just want to like we just want to show up and we want to like we love the, the love we love the stories of all of the people who have done so many things for Jesus. God, that's awesome. I love that. Why is as I as I have challenged in this series, right? In some ways, this episode is a summation of the series. Like as I've challenged off in the series, like how come you don't have that story, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. like what wh- like where's your where's the where, like the same spirit that powered Peter and John and Paul um, and, you know, and Onesimus and Philemon and who, whoever else we've read about over the course of the many months with all the, look, I do entirely too much preaching. Um, like they all run together, but all of the, like, all the things that happen in the New Testament after this moment are a hundred percent possible in our world today. You know, I, I was sitting here thinking of uh, Revelation 12 and if I was reading Revelation 12, and what it, you know, the, the verse I'm talking about is they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Uh-huh. Um, it's evident that it doesn't say they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of Brandy's testimony, <laughs> the right, word right, of Trey's testimony, or, or, or even Scott. No, it's there. It, it, so for the individual reading it, doesn't get the play of okay, I overcome by their testimony. No, it's meaning collectively each individual overcome by their own testimony that came after the blood of the lamb uh-huh. Uh-huh. and so yeah it, it really throws the gauntlet down of no you should have your own story we need to be having our own story now that story doesn't have to be someone running up and to you know billy graham type crowds it could just be as simple as you know handing somebody a dollar in the uh, line of a uh, you know, Walmart because they're a little bit short and just telling them, God bless you. It could be just striking up a conversation with someone you meet along the way. It could be leading someone to Christ. It, that That's the whole point. We don't know what it is or what it's going to be. And I think of the analogy of, you know, a sailboat out on the lake. The wind can be blowing like super strong. But if you don't have the sail open and up, uh-huh. you're not going to catch it and go anywhere. And so that's what we have to do. You, know, you think, well, I, I don't know if God wants to use me. Yes, yes, he does. He want, I mean, it's literally the mission he gave us is that, hey, I'm going to use you. And so for us to do that with the power that's there, we got to open up our sails. we got to start listening, attuning for that so that we can be guided. That's right. Well, and, it's a, and, and it's a willingness to be uncomfortable. 
right? Yeah. There is a fundamental willingness to be uncomfortable and and the side of it is um, to love beyond your normal expectations of who you're supposed to love, mm-hmm. right? Because th- that is, there is this like, you know, there's this deliberate list of nations, right? <laughs> Which is a weird <laughs> detail, right? Like, why is Luke so interested to make sure there's all of this like, that this crowd encompasses the whole known world? Well, it's because that means the gospel, hmm. eh, right? <laughs> all details in the Bible should be suspect, meaning... Uh, like very seldom in the Bible is a tree just a tree. Uh, sometimes in more modern literature, not everything is deeply symbolic or meaningful. Sometimes a tree is just, just a, tree. a tree. Well, in the Bible, because like you know, writing was hard and printing didn't exist. Like you only get so much, right? Um, and so clearly, there is something significant about the fact that we are listing some very specific nations, and that is to say, it is a diverse group of people mm-hmm. beyond what if it was not just Galileans talking to Galileans. It was not even just Jews talking to Jews. It was here is this representation of the, you know, the, the United Nations circa, you know, 33 BC or 33 AD or wherever we are um, saying, you know, and they're hearing it and they're received and they're, they are surprised that God's love, that God's word, that God's <laughs> praise is able to reach them. They are astounded um, by what God is doing. Um, but it did take a willingness on the disciples um, to take that inspiration to open up their sails and to then go out um, and declare it. And in that way, God's word reached further, right? We go from like in one day, we go from 100 people in a room to like 3,000 people yeah. um, at the end of Peter's sermon, right? Like that's a really, clearly it sunk in but there is that willingness to be uncomfortable to talk to the Cretans in the crowd to talk to the people from Pamphylia to talk to the people to reach the people that are not normally thought of as yours to love right yeah teach your kids about the gospel too but think you know think beyond your immediate like um you know, the people you're supposed to care for to much broader that God's love is for everyone and we're able to reach anyone in God's name. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm just sitting here laughing, thinking that at least, probably longer, but at least the first 100 years of the church is every believer constantly going, what? God uh-huh. loves them too? What? Uh-huh. He's touching them too? What? They're getting exactly <laughs> the same thing? I mean, that's literally the story of, of what happens in Acts 11. We didn't read it. Um, we, 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 Acts 10 is like Peter shows up, kind of surprised, but like goes with it, right? And then there's this whole debate in the church. They hold this huge meeting about, you know, well, I don't know if Peter did the... I don't know why I'm doing my Jamie Heineman voice. I don't know if Peter did the right thing doing this. And then, you know, eventually Peter wins We're out. We're going to have to take a vote on, on this. this. Yeah, right, yeah. What in the name of me is going on here? Um, but eventually, like, they, they settle it, but it takes, it took work. And, and as I talked about in the sermon, right, like, there is, it is a shift of mindset, and it's a shift of mindset for us, too. Um, but we need to make that shift. And then yeah. it's two shifts, right? It is everyone's deserving of God's love, and we can reach anyone with it. And it is that we're the ones who are supposed to be doing it. I, you know, I'm, often, I'm, a, I'm a fan of saying this. We're the plan. If you're looking around and going, what's the plan here? It is, we're the plan. We're it. We're the church. We have the same spirit they do. We live in the same time and place as they do. And I don't mean like we don't live in the Roman Empire anymore. That fell, (laughs) thankfully. Um, But we do live in the era where the Holy Spirit is present in the world. Yeah. 
And so on that note, it's probably as good a point. I mean, I can go all night. Um, I think Pentecost is one of the most important pieces of Christian yes. scri- Indeed. scripture, period. Yes, um, because it, absol- it fundamentally defines who we are and what we're doing here um, and the ways that we... Uh, and, and I think, especially for where we sit as a church now, not, capital C Church, that's the church doing fine. But like, but we need to hear this challenge too. Mm-hmm. Of um, If we don't like the way things are, whose fault is that? Is it God's fault? Did no. God, do you think God, there's two options, right? Did God give up on us or did we give up on God? Mm. Right? It can only be one of those two things, right? The church can only decline one of two ways. If you believe God has abandoned God's people, which runs counter to everything the Bible says, right? Because what sure. the Bible fundamentally says is, you know, uh, God is righteous even when we are not. Um, so if God was going to give up on us, God would have given up us a long time ago oh, and would have not died for us on a cross, right? So it is either, right. it is either God gave up on us which runs counter to everything in scripture or more troubling for us, we have given up on God. Hmm. Um, And so what this message says is what this whole series says is get out there. God didn't give up on you. Don't you then give up on God? Amen. Um, if you have Amen. any feedback for us, how you think I'm wrong, I'll fight me. <laughs> right. Like, um, you can uh, post a comment here on Facebook, um, over on our YouTube channel, over on our website, uh, Grace Church Palestine slash videos. You can email us at gracechurchpalestine um, at gmail.com. Um, if you want an audio-only version of this one that I'll admit does not suffer from nearly the internet issues um, that the video version of this show does, uh, you can search Scripture Talk by Grace Church in your podcatcher of choice. And internet willing, we'll be back with another one of these um, and a brand new series uh, next week, uh, next Monday at 6 p.m. In the meantime, Go in peace to love and serve the Lord and fear not. Stay well. God is with us. Hey, that worked.